Previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. My opinion is a little more nuanced than that, but sure, that's a short way to say it. (laughs) I spent my entire career eliminating nuance. (laughs) So I'll try to remember that. At the Movies Mm. with Arch Campbell, Mm. Jen Mm. Chaney. And yours truly, Lou Katz, begins right now. Oh, my. And now here he is, folks, a graduate of the Clint Eastwood Go Ahead, Make My Daycare Center, Mr. Arch Campbell. Go Ahead, Make My Daycare Center, Clint Eastwood. That's about the only laugh Clint is getting this week. I think his movie is kind of bombing. Richard Jewell. It did not do very well at all, no. And we are so glad to have Jen Cheney of Vulture.com with us, and we love it when you're on the program, and I, I think I can make an announcement. Okay. That we have asked you to be a regular on this show. Yes, I'm very excited about it. So, I'm, I'm going to be living in Lou's basement from now on. <laughs> it's very comfortable down here. Well, it, actually, it's nice. We're we're uh, about a mile under Bethesda in this underground. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a good zip code. I have no complaints. So, so Jen, we just want to be sure when we write out the checks to you, is it Jen or Jennifer or Jenny or? <laughs> we can we can sort that out later. You also can just pay me in cash, oh. PayPal me, Venmo, oh, yeah. whatever. Ven- Venmo, right. there you go. So this is at the movies with Arch Campbell and Jen Chaney and Lou Katz, and uh, there's so many movies opening this week for Christmas. So let's just dive right in here and start with Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. All three of us attended the screening this week, and uh, the audience, which was mostly critics, seemed very excited and ginned up, if you'll pardon the expression, Jen, to be there. Would you like to start? Everyone at the beginning of every Star Wars movie is always very excited because yeah. the scroll isn't oh, yeah. always the best part, but it's one of the best mm-hmm. parts. I think this was a disappointment. I think there's Star Wars fatigue. Well, as you probably know, originally this was mm-hmm. going to be Carrie Fisher's movie. It was very much supposed mm-hmm. to be about Princess Leia. Yeah. Unfortunately, she passed away. They still had some footage that they had shot from when they filmed the first two in this trilogy. And they were able to use that and kind of cobble Mm. together around it. But you could tell that the whole movie felt a bit cobbled. And so what made me sad is after I left, thinking about what would this movie have been if Carrie Fisher were still alive? I think it would have been something really special. And it isn't. And I think they're in a tough spot um, under those circumstances. But it, it just felt very paint by numbers and not particularly inspired. It really looked like, oh, we got her saying this and we got her saying that line. And oh, hey, here's somebody who looks like her from the back. We can right. uh, get a, a somebody to imitate her voice. I found the the scenes with Carrie Fisher were painful to watch. And the rest of the movie, the plot just was just so overstuffed that it gave me a headache. I was exhausted. Well, and I mean, this is always the case in Star Wars movies. You know, the force as an idea is is kind of silly when you mm-hmm. when you think about it. But mm-hmm. it, it just felt like there was more in this particular movie where I, I, I describe it as like in the Charlie Brown Christmas where... <laughs> They wave their hands and the tree is decorated. It felt like there was a lot of hand waving and then problems would be solved. And I'm like, what just happened? Uh, More so than I would say in other Star Wars movies, it felt to me. And, you know, I kept thinking about the family tree of who was, you know, so Adam Driver is uh, Kylo Ren. And he happens to be the son of of, uh, Princess Leia and Han Solo, which makes him the grandson of of Darth Vader, and I needed like a a, a diagram to follow what was going on. 
Yeah, I mean, that part of it didn't bother me nearly as much as, like you said, it felt pretty overstuffed. And um... Lou begged me to take him <laughs> I did. as my plus one. So, <laughs> Lou, you're the voice of the people on this Oh, thing. yeah, man. I, I, I tell you, I, I just think it's, I think the thing is overkill. Mm-hmm. I think Star Wars, I, I, I don't think it's burned out by any, by any sense. But I just think, I don't know, unless you're a truly big, diehard Star Wars fan, you probably want to pass on it. You know, I think Marvel has uh, just uh, updated that kind of movie, and they do them so much better than this. I just, I, I, I was, I think, I think it's a big disappointment, and the, the reviews are mixed at mm-hmm. best. I mean, part to what you're both saying about the overkill. I mean, the idea that this is the end of this part of the saga. It's a big deal, and yet it also doesn't feel like a big deal because you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to go home and watch The Mandalorian after this is over, or <laughs> yeah. you know, there, you know yeah. there's going to be more, you just don't know how they're going to do the next movies yet. So it doesn't have the same feeling that when you saw Return of the Jedi, you were like, wow. This you're is absolutely it. right, though. When you hear the music and you see the crawl and, you know, and the old Star Wars logo comes up, it is very exciting. I was remembering in 1983 when uh, Return of the Jedi opened, uh, the KB Cinema on Wisconsin Avenue had just switched to the disc method of showing films. So uh, we were there for the very first show with a camera for Channel 4, and uh, they start up the disc. Da 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 And, the, you know, and, and, the, and the crawl starts, and all of a sudden... The disc stopped. (laughs) The whole audience (laughs) screams. They're 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 groaning, and then they went in there and fixed it and started it up again, and and the rest of it played. But I was remembering that for what it's worth. One of the most thrilling things I can remember, you were probably there too, is the press screening for the Phantom Menace when the scroll started, and you hadn't seen Star Wars in so long, and everyone was like, ah. And then the right. movie started, and you're like, okay, Jar Jar Binks. This isn't going well. Well, I thought, I thought it was interesting, and right. Arch and I were talking about this before you got in this morning, Jen, that at the end of the movie, I was expecting applause or, and nothing. Right. You were there. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was dead quiet. And I'm going, that's not really a good sign. Yeah, there usually is applause at the end of the Star Wars yeah. movie. Two and a half hours. People yeah. were exhausted. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but that's the story. Now, I... A lot of attention has been given to the movie Bombshell with Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie as three employees of the Fox News Network who contribute to the demise of Fox News chief Roger Ailes. And I do want to say, starting out on Bombshell, that Charlize Theron's performance of Megyn Kelly is very powerful, very strong. The entire time I watched the movie, I thought I was watching Megyn Kelly. I never thought I was looking at Charlize Theron. And that's quite a compliment for an actress. Well, it's a compliment to to her, for sure, and also to the hair and makeup, the way that they... Mm-hmm. And, and the way that they shot some of it, I think some of the expressions she was making and the angles at which they were shooting her, it just made her look exactly like Megyn Kelly. And at first I was a little, you know, her performance was almost robotic in a way, but Megyn Kelly is kind of a robot. Yeah, so it was, yeah. it was, it was right, even though it was a little hard to uh, warm up to her at first. And there is an interesting take on Bombshell, which is it's mainly conservative women embracing the Me Too movement. So uh, I should defer to you and ask your thoughts. I think it's 
interesting that the first, quote, Me Too movie is a Fox News movie mm-hmm. in which, you know, I don't I don't know that I'm at a point where I'm prepared to see Megyn Kelly as a as a hero, uh, yeah. given given uh, some of the other things that she's done. I don't know. My I had other problems with the movie. I thought the movie was sloppy in a lot of ways. I don't know if you remember the joke Tina Fey made at the Golden Globes about American Hustle when she called it Explosion at the Wig Factory. But I felt like this was 2019's Explosion at the Wig Factory. And some of the casting, when, when Richard Kind showed up as Rudy Giuliani, oh, yes. I just started cracking up. Uh, so there was a, there was some weird tonal stuff oh. that was strange. And also it was directed by Jay Roach. And there's a scene in the movie where... Margot Robbie's character is asked by Roger Ailes to like lift her skirt up. Oh, that is that is probably the single most cringeworthy scene of the year. And I, I was talking about this with some of my coworkers, and they they really do a major close up on her crotch. Yeah. And I said, if a woman was making this movie, that camera would have been on her face. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been mm-hmm. down there. It would have been what's going on up here. Yeah. And and that was one of my problems. There's. There was just something about this that didn't feel right. And and I feel like Me Too has been addressed uh, in much more nuanced, effective ways on television than it is in this movie. And they do make uh, the Roger Ailes, as good as, as uh, Theron is, as Megyn Kelly, uh, John Lithgow is is that degree of bad as uh, as Roger Ailes. They, they just they layer him with fat and... He looks like a bridge troll. He just—he looks like <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. He looks like uh, Kermit the Frog. Oh, He's just... Now that's let's not insult Kermit the Frog. Here. <laughs> Jen's Jen's a big fan. I, yeah, uh, I mean, I thought Margot Robbie's performance was excellent. Mm-hmm. I I thought Nicole Kidman was really underused as Gretchen yeah, Carlson, who yeah. was really the person who started the whole thing. And well, I thought, and like, that is the thing now that's going on that uh, Gretchen Carlson is saying, "Wait a minute, this I'm the one that caused this," and Megyn Kelly is the the uh, hero of uh, this side of the story. It's there's. I mean, Gretchen Carlson is seen as a hero too. I mean, she clearly is the one really sticking her neck mm-hmm, out first, mm-hmm. but. I feel like she doesn't get nearly as much screen time as Megyn Kelly does. And so her, her role in it is diminished to an extent. And, you know, the way it ends, and because we know uh, how the rest of the story went, I just, I was really unsatisfied. I was sort of like, well, you know, she went on and then she got thrown off of NBC because she was defending blackface. And uh, there's a lot of uh, additional baggage Hey, the Miss America is on uh, tonight. By the way, that's Gretchen Carlson's uh, thing now. I, yeah, it's you know there just there's just so many other threads. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of context that, understandably, maybe they couldn't bring into the movie, but it yeah, it, it yeah. just definitely leaves you kind of with a lot of question marks. Now let's let's defer to Lou Katz because uh, of the musical of Cats, oh, nice segue, which right? is opening. <laughs> And it, I have a review of Cats. Okay. Uh, the review is, I looked at the screening invitation and I just said, I just cannot possibly go and waste two hours looking at that. I'm just not going to do it. I wanted to go and I had a conflict. I might actually pay because it sounds so insane that I feel like I need to see it with my own eyes. Everything I hear. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Give us your line. A little too young Lou. to get in on the senior price on those tickets, there, Jim. But I, Give I, us your line. Go I have been to the play twice with my wife Wendy, and each time we loved the music, thought the costumes were great, 
but could not quite figure out the storyline of it. I mean, no one knows what Cats is about. You know, but I will say this much for the movie. After seeing the movie, I have a little better idea of what the storyline was about. And I don't know why that was. Maybe it was just the way it was directed or, or, or choreographed. But overall, I thought the movie stunk. <laughs> I, I'm being honest. Cats thinks that cats, it stunk. Um, the, the costumes were incredible. And the choreography. Choreography was really nice, but overall, I don't know. Unless you're this, a huge fan we're of in this, this is also the home of Hound Radio. Yeah, right. And, so, and you know when it comes to cats, against felines. Cats, you know, cats is a dog. <laughs> cats is a is, in my opinion, my humble opinion, a dog. Okay, now did you see a Terrence Malick movie, A Hidden Life? I have not seen that yet. No. I watched A Hidden Life, and Pal- Terrence Malick, you know, is one of the most creative artists of our time. And this is based on the true story of a German farmer during World War II who would not take the required loyalty oath to Hitler required of Austrian soldiers. It's about three hours long. Uh, it it begins to look like a parody of, of a Terrence Malick movie. You know, there's wheat blowing in the wind. There's little children playing in the fields and there's sounds little sounds of <laughs> birds and the sky and then the jail and there are people who will appreciate it but i am not one of them. <laughs> i just i'm i pass good to know now this brings us to 1917 got a lot of attention directed by sam mendes world war 1 an epic shot in what is made to look like one take. Yeah, I thought it was incredible the way they pulled that off. It's a technical miracle. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's if you think about what they had to do, not only Mendes as a director, but production design wise, you know, to get something to look consistent that way mm-hmm. is very challenging. And it's incredibly seamless the way they did it. Now, I found myself, you know, occasionally they'd go into a cave and it would turn black all of a sudden. Say, oh, here's where they stopped the camera. I, you know, I, I, uh, I probably uh, should have just uh, given myself over instead of uh, looking like that. But right. two soldiers must rush a message behind enemy lines to save thousands of other soldiers from falling into a German trap. And it's got a vibe of saving Private Ryan. Yeah, a little bit, because obviously they're going on a mission, uh, and that's really the the through line of the film. I, I don't know how you feel, but I would be surprised if it doesn't get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, yeah. And Best Director, too. Except I had a little feeling like I've seen this before. Yeah. Were you I, blown away by it? Well, no, I mean, I, it actually took me a little time to really get fully engrossed in it because it felt like it started off a little bit slow. I also was watching a For Your Consideration screener at home, mm-hmm. and I, I wish I had seen it in a theater because I think that would have been a, a better experience. But I just marveled at what they did from an artistic and technical standpoint, craftsmanship-wise, um, and was really impressed by that. I thought it was good, maybe if not great, but certainly good. Yeah, but it's the kind of movie that, the Academy oh, yeah. will recognize. Yeah. Now, this brings us to Uncut Gems. Adam Sandler gets serious as a Big Apple jeweler who is scheming to pay off his gambling debts in one frenetic day. I want to like it because I love Adam Sandler. And I hope Adam Sandler wins an Emmy for his appearance on Saturday Night Live this year. It was one of the greatest television shows I've ever seen. And I have liked Adam Sandler's dramatic work 
Mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, uh, in uh, Punch Drunk Love, especially even Spanglish. Some of the other things he's done, I, I think he's, I think he's very talented. And I just couldn't get into this. I just did not like the character. And without giving too much of it away, I'm just going to say that the ending left me thinking I had wasted two hours. Mm. I just found the character really unlikable. But he's supposed to be, right? Yeah, well, he succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) But he's So good that I didn't want to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Arch, he didn't sing the Hanukkah song? He did not sing the Hanukkah song. No, no, that's stuff. So this brings us down to Little Women. From Greta Gerwig, I think she re-energizes Louisa May Alcott's classic. I do, too. I loved every minute of this movie. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Little Women. I, I, I think every adaptation of it has assets and yeah, great things yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, but this felt really fresh in the way that she told the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I tend to compare it to the most recent one, which is the one from the 90s with Winona Ryder. And, right, yeah. And, um, you know, Christian Bale plays Laurie in that. The, uh-huh. the neighbor who is in love with Joe and, and uh, that is unrequited. And I love Christian Bale. He's a great actor, but Timothy Chalamet blows him away. He's, blows he's him really away a because heartbreaker. He, yeah. I mean, and also you're like, Joe, what are you doing? At no point in the other little women was uh-huh. I like, Joe, what are uh-huh. you doing? But I'm like, yeah. Joe, Joe, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> What's the deal? I thought her use of music and the way she um, uh, rearranged the timeline made it uh, exciting and really accessible. And I found it more accessible to me, an old washed-up man (laughs) sitting in the theater. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I just thought it was delightful. Yeah, I mean, what she does with the timeline, for people Mm -hmm. who don't know, is she, you know, normally you see this movie and and you see them all as, you know, girls um, living at home. But she kind of jumps in between where you see, you know, you see Joe in New York as an adult. You see them living their grown up lives and then kind of flashing back and going back and forth between the two. And I think there's a real poignancy to the way that she does that. And I think Meg is a really richer, great character in this movie, the way that they she's usually seen as kind of the spoiled brat. And she is a little bit of a spoiled brat in this, but she also she has great strength and ambition mm-hmm. that I, I haven't felt as much in when I've seen other adaptations of this. I like what Greta Gerwig does with Shirsi Ronan. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Sersha. Sersha. Sersha Ronan is sort of our stand-in for Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. She's what Greta Gerwig was when she was making her uh, independent films, and she is Joe in this. And I think I think she's a wonderful actress, and I was really surprisingly delighted by Little Women, and I hope it gets a lot of Oscar nominations and attention. I do too. I, I am worried, though, uh, just based on the Golden Globes, that you know they they nominated all male directors, and, and yeah. uh, Greta Gerwig was among the women who I think deserved to be nominated and wasn't. So we'll see what happens. Well, uh, but uh, you know, there's a wider and there's a more diverse uh, uh, group of voters uh, at the Oscars now. So maybe so. Yeah. Look, the Hollywood look. Foreign Press is literally five people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back over this again. Let's see. What have we seen here? We saw Star Wars, The Rise of Star Walker. Uh, I didn't like it. Lou? Okay. <laughs> Just okay. Jen, yeah. Star Wars. It had know. its moments, but it was it was not it's, what you wanted it to be. It didn't do anything it didn't have to do. And if you love it, you'll love it. And, uh, you know, I could have done with that. A bombshell I'm mixed on. 
As am I. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. There you go. Well, that says something. A hidden life. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> 1917. I thought it was very well done. Just artistically, it really impressed me. I thought it was good. Yeah. Didn't think it was great, but I thought it was good. Uncut gems I wanted to like, and uh, I did not. And Little Women, I think it's one of the year's best. I agree. So there we are. Oh, you forgot. Meow. Oh, cats. <laughs> what a dog. Wolf. <laughs> 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 Yes. You know what? I am going to pay to see this, and then we can revisit it yeah, okay. later. Okay, well, you can defend it if you want. <laughs> oh, I'm sure yeah. I won't, Yeah, but I still need to see it with my own eyes. I hear uh, Judy Dench is dressed up as a Deuteronomy cat, and that every time she comes on screen, it's um, kind of painful. I've heard different. I've heard that she's one of the more credible performances. Oh, well. I don't know if Lou felt that way or not. I maybe side with Arch on that one there. Oh, okay. Really my, my husband, who knows... Like he doesn't pay attention to a lot of this stuff. Saw a picture of, from Cats on like Parade magazine or whatever when uh, he was pulling out the paper, yeah. and he just walked in with the Judy Dench. He's like, "Is this movie just all Photoshop? Like, what happened?" <laughs> 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 all right, Lou. Well, you it's know, your turn. Yeah, now. it is now time to wrap your brain during yes. the holiday season around this week's movie quiz. Oh, now we had a little hint of this last week. Right. The movie quiz. And here we go. Yeah. What state does? It's a Wonderful Life take place in. In what state? <laughs> the state of ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give you the answer, but you're going to have to wait till the end of this podcast. And no cheating, no fast forwarding. But, but first, this is mm. the CATS Podcasting System. Our guest critic today is certainly qualified to do so because he is the uh, he's a, a former writer for People magazine. He's now writing for various publications around town. He uh, lives in Los Angeles. His name is Oliver Jones, and he is the son of the legendary Washington D.C. critic Davy Marlin Jones. And so, will you please welcome <laughs> Oliver Jones to the program? Wow, Arch. And Oliver, I was glad to run into you at the screening of Star Wars this week, and you're in town visiting family. So uh, we like to ask people of your caliber to uh, be our guest critic. And what have you seen lately you like? Uh, the best thing I saw at that Star Wars movie was you, Arch. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. oh, boy. I think that's all we'll say about that. But um, <laughs> Wasn't it exhausting? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so much plot, and it seemed like they were feeding so many mouths at once. I, I can't recall having such little fun uh, in a movie that was meant to be fun. Do you think that uh, they made it in that manner because it doesn't matter anyway? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I also, it felt like they were trying to be retro, but also it seemed like they were trying to seed for a lot of future content in other places. It it just didn't seem like a, a movie. It seemed like it was some sort of a factory item that would that had to check off a lot of boxes, and it was just, it was, you know... Yeah. Uh, did, did, what, what did you think of it, Arch? Uh, Jen and I both were uh, disappointed. Yeah, I thought it was too much plot. It was too much work to follow, and the scenes with Carrie Fisher were painful. It was remarkable uh, that a lot of the actors who had done pretty well in the previous one seemed comparatively lost in this one. It was just, um, yeah. But it was, it was sort of, it felt like a, 
it had a tragic pall to it because it was not the way, I don't think any of us really wanted to say goodbye to Carrie Fisher. Right, and it wasn't supposed to be the way that movie would have gone. If she had lived, I think it would have been a completely different film and, and probably a much better one. Yes. Now, are you reviewing movies these days, and for whom are you reviewing? Theobserver.com, so normally the New York Observer, uh, they... Um, uh, I am the uh, backup film critic to the uh, to Rex Reed, who's uh, who's still at it. Do you get together with Rex and talk movies? You know, we've never run into each other. I'm huh. on a different coast than him, and uh, and you know, he lives in the. Dakota, where he, where his next door neighbor is uh, Yoko Ono, so we just never, we never run into each other much. <laughs> Seriously, I know that that's shocking. You know, uh, that's interesting. You bring that up because your father was basically the Rex Reed of Washington D.C. in the seventies <laughs> and eighties. There was no name bigger in movies than Davy Marlin Jones, and uh, and and his reputation continues long after he's uh, left uh, our world. Uh, how is that for you? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it, he, he, he reviewed movies in um, here in D.C. and in, uh, and in Detroit, and he was a, a wacky uh, uh, presence on television. Of course, he was also a theater professional. Uh, but, you know, occasionally I run into a... Uh, uh, um, uh, someone who grew up in the district who is uh, uh, above the age of forty, and and they they you know their eyes widen uh, at the uh, discovery of who my father was. But you know here I am a, a film critic. You know I sometimes feel like I'm uh, settling a, you know like at the Clint Eastwood movie. You like I'm the son coming back to settle the debt. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, uh, he, he lost his, uh, job when Gannett took over the station and yeah. now I'm hunting for the man who took down my dad. <laughs> uh, I understand those people at Gannett, uh, are, are basically sort of atoning and they realize that they, uh, took a great station down. Yeah. Uh, you had one other movie you wanted to mention, which is what uh, they had one of the great lineups uh, ever. Oh my, yeah, Gordon Peterson and um, yeah, Glenn Brenner, uh, Glenn Brenner especially. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a real Tiffany lineup that they had there, and they uh, they destroyed it. Well, you know that brings up the question: What do you think is the change in movies now, as opposed to uh, the seventies and eighties when your dad? Uh, ruled the airwaves. Well, it's funny. I mean, the conversation these days is constantly about how you know movies are in the death knell, and we're 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 at the end of the uh, exhibition period, and and that and that sort of uh, pall kind of hangs over it. Uh, so so that's that's one thing, and uh, the other thing is just the, you know. All of these event films and these spectacle films. I mean, uh, you had a couple of those a year back then, but now it's all we get. But then, you know, at the same time, um, Arch and Jen, I, you know, I've, I've just had the, uh, the Los Angeles Film Critics Association uh, Awards last week, so I got to catch up on so many terrific movies. So, you know, as, as, as much as critics like you and I like to lament about these uh Cape Crusaders and CGI, you know, uh, there are tons of really wonderful movies that I think match the best ones that were that my dad was seeing um, 
back in the 70s. By the way, what have you seen lately that uh, really excites you? Give us one exciting movie from the world of Oliver Jones. I loved Uncut Gems. I recently reviewed that. I loved um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And then a real sturdy movie that was very moving and precise and filled with passion uh, was uh, Dark Waters, uh, directed by Todd Haynes and starring Mark Ruffalo, who also produced a film that that is, um, you know, it's a sturdy activist uh, film that, that focuses on the lawyer that helped take on DuPont uh, when uh, they were uh, poisoning the water in uh, Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And, um, and it was neat to see a director like Todd Haynes take on a procedural, a legal procedural, but it was also quite moving to see Mark Ruffalo really focus his acting and his activism in a way that was very dramatically satisfying. So that one, that one was a nice surprise. But I've seen a lot of good movies recently, uh, Arch. This is a nice season, and it and it's uh, and it's been it's been good. I mean, uh, I've seen three or four good movies for every Star Wars. Well, <laughs> Oliver, it's great talking to you, and uh, we're glad that you come back to town from time to time, and uh, and uh, possibly you'll come back and. Uh, talk to us some more. It was just I was glad to see you the other day at Star Wars, and uh, best wishes to you and your family, and uh, great memories of Davy Marlin Jones. Well, I'd love to uh, to go on a deep dive uh, with you guys one of these days, and uh, and talk about some of your wacky memories of my dad. I always get a kick out of hearing him, and uh, it's really wonderful to hear your voice, uh, Arch. It brings me back to my. Uh, childhood and uh and uh you've been such a generous guy with your uh time and energy with me and uh i've really appreciated connecting with you so uh so thank you and jen it's uh it's good to meet and i hope we get to uh talk again more later absolutely hey jen and arch if you don't mind i want to butt in here for just a moment and shamelessly plug hound radio my little internet radio station it's an adult contemporary format there's never any commercials and even with the holiday season on, we're playing some Christmas and Hanukkah songs, too. And we have all kinds of giveaways and movie passes and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, I was out in Leesburg today visiting one of our Hound Radio listeners, Kathy, and she won herself a Bethesda Bagels Bagel Brunch for herself and her co-workers. So definitely check it out, houndradio.com. And we have a free mobile app, too, for your Apple or Android phone. Jen Cheney uh, follows cable and streaming for Vulture.com. And this week, I was very excited to catch up with the HBO series Watchmen, which I watched because of you, Jen. And what is your take on Watchmen, the series? You know, it was only nine episodes. And when I last talked to you, I hadn't seen the finale. And they nailed the finale, I thought. I mean, I thought it was an incredible work of television that took a a really great comic that was made into a terrible movie by Zack Snyder a few years back. And, uh, you know, as Damon Lindelof put it, like remixed it and, and took some of the elements from it, but also told a kind of a completely different story about race in America. And, I, you know, I can't say enough good things about it. Now, for people who haven't gotten on to Watchmen yet, and this this is a loaded question. Can you summarize the plot? No. <laughs> the plot is all over the place. I mean, I can say... It begins by revisiting um, 
the riots in Tulsa in the 1920s where a, a very wealthy black community was completely destroyed by white yeah. supremacists, which I have to say, I did not know that history at well, all, and, and I'm ashamed that this, I didn't. because people are, are rediscovering that uh, uh, episode of history. Yes, and I think that's, you know, one, one of the many great things about this show is that it, it reminded people of that or made them aware of it if they didn't know. And then it jumps forward to the present in modern-day Tulsa, where Regina King uh, plays a woman who used to be a police officer, but she's now like a vigilante justice warrior, but she has to wear a mask because there are these this group of white supremacists that are, you know, targeting cops and certainly targeting anybody of color. And so that's sort of very, very, very basic setup, but it goes into all kinds of directions from there. Robert Redford is the president of the United Robert States. Robert Redford's president of the United States. They, He's not in the show, but just they talk about him being president because Nixon was never impeached. It's an alternate right. history as well. Yeah, they throw these things, and and there's a there's a uh, a terrible event happens when a giant squid is dropped on. Is this too much of a spoiler alert? Mm, a squid so. is dropped on New York City. The guy who made this made The Leftovers, which I was a big fan of. I loved that series, which is also this kind of odd alternative uh, history. And he also co-created Lost as well. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah, Damon uh, Lindelof is, is uh, I think he's a genius. I, you know, I got completely hooked by Watchmen, and I thank you for that. Is there anything else going on on cable and streaming we need to know about? Oh, probably. I just noticed that Watchmen... Is is kind of uh, entering the culture suddenly. You're just seeing a lot of references to it. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the comic came out in the '80s. I think people who are into comics have always been aware that that was like a seminal work. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the show reintroduced it, and I hope more people catch up with it. I don't know if there's going to be a second season. Damon has said he doesn't necessarily want to do one, but he wouldn't mind if somebody else kind of took it and then yeah. went on with it themselves. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the finale leaves 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 with a giant question mark. But it also could be a very good series finale uh-huh. too, mm-hmm. you know? But I knew, I, I, I won't obviously talk about it, but no. something happens at the end of the episode and I'm like, I know they're going to cut to black before uh-huh. we see something uh-huh. and that's exactly uh-huh. what they did. Well, and don't you think that's the mark of a really great program when it has a great finale? As for instance, uh, Six Feet Under. I thought had uh, the best wrap-up of a series. Yeah, that's a great finale. I mean, yes, I agree. However, I also think people put too much emphasis on finales. Mm -hmm. I think that happened with Lost. Yeah. Uh, I think it happened recently with Game of Thrones, where, you know, you don't like the last three episodes, and you're like, well, I wasted my time watching that whole show. And, like, you got, like, six or seven really good seasons out of it. Like, so I, I think that a finale is is a mark of a good show, but it's not the only mark. What are you recommending in the streaming world? You're asking me to remember things when all I've been doing (laughs) is writing about the end of the decade. Um, (laughs) Lately, I haven't seen anything new that I have loved on TV. And when I say new, I mean like within the past two weeks. Um, Like I watched the new season, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I thought it wasn't wasn't as good as the previous two. The new uh, season of The Crown got my attention. Yes, that, that is really fabulous. good. I watched that a month ago, so it feels yeah. like it was five years ago to me. But um, yes, the new season of The Crown is excellent. And you want me to watch Unbelievable, and that's my next uh, yes. assignment. Yes, sir. You're listening to At The Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. So uh, this is the part where we do a shout out. And I want us to mention Danny Aiello, the great actor from Do the Right Thing and, and so many other films. Did a lot of gangster acting. 
but I will always recall him. He passed away this week. I've lost my notes on him, but I think he was in his 80s. Yeah, he was. I always remember him in Moonstruck. Moonstruck is one of my favorite movies yeah, of all time. Yeah, yeah, And he's wonderful in it. And the fact that he could play those kind of gangster roles and then uh-huh. play this, you know, mama's boy kind yeah, of character yeah. in Moonstruck just really spoke to his range. And also Madonna's father in the Papa Don't Preach video. All right, right. <laughs> oh, it's a miracle. Mama has healed. <laughs> she got up and she started cooking for everyone in the house. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, Moonstruck, when I think of Moonstruck, I also love the line, I'm so confused. <laughs> Somebody tell a joke. There's a there's a million good lines in that, and the best romantic comedy monologue ever delivered by Nicolas uh-huh. Cage. But I was uh, thinking I'm so confused because I was watching Star Wars. <laughs> well, we salute Danny Aiello. All right, folks, what else are we thinking about? There is one more topic we should... Uh, tackle and i think that is what's your favorite christmas movie i have a lot of movies that i love that are have christmas in them i like mm-hmm. unconventional christmas movies yeah, but my yeah. answer is conventional um and it's a tie between it's a wonderful life which is very much uh-huh. you know the classic uplifting heartwarming christmas movie right. and a christmas story which uh-huh. is the classic cynical uh you'll shoot your eye out <laughs> Christmas movie. I, I love both of them. And if like if I don't see at least some of them, I feel like Christmas didn't happen. I love the stream of a Christmas movie. I just I can pick up any uh scene in that film and just uh uh you know get a get a nice charge out of it. When I was uh young and uh when television could not was not showing films made past nineteen forty eight, they would only show It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas. Mm which made it much more special. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, Frank Capra let the um, copyright uh, expire on It's a Wonderful Life. So suddenly uh, there were entire cable channels, uh, and that's all they showed. I'm a big fan of It's a Wonderful Life, although I liked it better when it was special. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we can practically recite, Uncle Billy, Uncle Billy, <laughs> where's that money? <laughs> Merry Christmas, George, in jail. <laughs> well, I think it has gotten a little more special again in that they don't, mm-hmm. it was in like really heavy rotation in the 80s, like yeah, you said, yeah, yeah. and then they, they pulled it back and now they show it on NBC like twice. Yeah. And obviously, you can see it whenever you want if you have a DVD or you can find it to stream. But it's not on regular television with the same regularity. And I I think that's a good thing. Anybody got a shout out for love, actually? Um, I'll shout that I hate it. (laughs) Don't don't sugarcoat it, Jim. Come on, just tell us how you really feel about it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm with you. It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Story are just two uh, delights. So, Lou? I think it's time for that new segment, The Movie Quiz. Oh! Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Are you uh, ready, Arch? I'm ready. Here we go. Holiday question. What state does It's a Wonderful Life take place in? Speaking uh, this of is movie. a trick question. Is it? Is it the same state where The Simpsons takes place, which is never mentioned? <laughs> <laughs> well... I looked this up on the interweb, 
And um, the trivia experts are claiming that, what's the name? It's not Bedford Falls. It is Bedford Falls. It's Bedford Falls. See, I think people mix up Bedford Falls with Grover's Corners Mm, from from our our town. town. And Grover's Corners, of course, is in New Hampshire. Bedford Falls is in New York. And the town uh, Seneca Falls claims to be the the uh, model for um, Bedford Falls. But they never say New York in the movie, do they? At any point? No, but we're... we're, You looked it up. Isn't everything done in New York anyway? (laughs) Things based in New York. Well, since Seneca Falls says, so we're going with New York. (laughs) Don't push me on this. (laughs) Listen, I'm fine with it. Seneca Falls is a very charming place. So, um, let's see. Any final words? Well, you know what? We do have time for uh-huh. one ask quick question oh, here. Oh, did we get, uh, we get we some viewer got, mail? A listener uh, mail. Viewer, yeah, I used to have viewers. <laughs> now now you got a few <laughs> yeah. listeners. This one is from LaTanya Horn uh, of Arlington. LaTanya Horn. I love it when LaTanya yeah. writes in. Always great to hear from her. And yeah. she writes... Merry Christmas yeah, to you, Arch. Yeah, she's got the holiday spirit. D- do you know what the sheep said to the shepherds at Christmas? Yes, they said seasons bleedings. <laughs> <laughs> can can we play your favorite music, Lou, to close this show out? Oh man, talk about favorite school? music here. Going back to 1977, yeah, when the original Star Wars came out, right, Thanks. and at the very end. The composer and conductor John Williams brings on this song. It's the theme from Star Wars. Hey, we'll have our best of the years next week. Hey, happy Hanukkah, and thanks so much for listening.
the movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands comes to you by way of the Katz podcasting system. Katz, America's number one name in delicatessens, Broadway musicals, and podcasting.